Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm really excited today to have with me somebody I've known for a very long time. His name is Ben Island, and he has been in the chemical dependency treatment and mental health field for over 45 years, with 48 years in his own personal recovery. He graduated from Cal State Chico with a double major in anthropology and psychology, finished the coursework coursework in a master's in public administration, and received a master's in organizational psychology from JFK University. He's been an educator in the field of addictive disorders since 1979, holding positions as adjunct professor at College of San Mateo Addiction Study Program, for the last 22 years, and he's the coordinator and instructor for Cal State East Bay Addiction Studies Program. Ben's also held positions as executive director, program manager, and clinical director, as well as being a counselor in a number of substance abuse treatment programs in the Bay Area, which is how we met. And his approach to the treatment of substance abuse disorders has been in the biopsychosocial and spiritual recovery. He considers himself a seeker, and through that seeking has explored a variety of ways for a person to find spiritual recovery and fill the hole in their soul that addiction and trauma left. After all these years, he's still passionate about working with addictive disorders and educating those who choose to follow this path. Thank you, Ben, for being here. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, that was uh, Listening to that was just saying, gee, I've, I've done a whole bunch of stuff um, over the years. Yes, you um, have. Uh, you know, uh, uh, in terms of the, you know, the, the ideas that, you know, I, I put forth there, um, you know, my personal, my personal life, my story, um, it, it's not very exciting in terms of what we call about alcoholism. Um, uh, there was no big, huge thing. I came from a very nice alcoholic family. Um, there was, uh, you know, no, no abuse uh, 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 directly. I mean, there was... Uh, if we want to get into the psychobabble, you know, there was uh, emotional abandonment um, and um, uh, et cetera. Um, I think we've talked a little bit about the Enneagram um, uh, and my, my typical Enneagram number seven um, uh, sort of uh, figured out that uh, I wasn't going to get my needs met by my family. So I get better figure them out for myself. And um, so, uh, and I was one of those, what they call an uh, early onset alcoholic. Uh, first time I took a drink, I drank like a drunk. To the last time I uh, I drank, I have no clue of what a social drink really means because uh, 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 the craving for it started right from the beginning. Um, and um, so, uh, uh, in, in terms of you know the, the recovery thing, I I had tried a variety of things. Uh, I actually had been in a, a couple of psychiatric hospitals uh, uh, and. No one would accept me for being an alcoholic back in those days. This is back in the in, in the seventies uh, because I was so young, and uh, you had to be on skid row kind of thing. So uh, 
you know, I, I tried a variety of things, uh, you know, to you know, quit drinking and, um, uh, and I finally, you know, sort of wandered into to, uh, uh, to AA. It was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, and uh, back in those days, you know, God spelled backwards was, meant, uh, was, uh, 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 was dog. And, and that's all I want to know about it. And, and of course, 12 step, uh, you know, if, if we peel away a lot of the stuff, the bottom line to, to 12 step um, is basically a spiritual journey. Uh, you, you have to have some belief in. And there's all kinds of you know issues around 12 step and the you know the how the big book was written and all that sort of stuff um, and i'm not a real big book person but for me the bottom line uh, was not about uh psychology or uh, uh the you know or the biochemistry i i believe there's a biochemistry to some alcoholics uh, mine in in specific um but it was really about the spiritual journey so once I was willing to accept that, um, then that put me on a path. Um, you know, I've, I've read everything from astrology to Zoroastrianism um, and um, uh, in terms of that path. And um, uh, I, you know, I've done a lot of work in uh, Buddhism, especially uh, something called Bone Buddhism, which is more of the, uh, 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 has more of a sort of a shamanic uh, bent to it. And, um, but the bottom line is I settled on uh, what a lot of people call the Red Road uh, and uh, Native American spirituality. And, um, uh, and I've, you know, uh, been involved with that for, you know, a long, long time. And um, uh, so, you know, in my work, you know, we, we talk about the biopsychosocial, well, you know, how much is bio, biological, you know, this idea of the disease, the physical allergy to, to, uh, to alcohol and drugs, um, and, um, uh, and then the psychology, you know, the issue around, which is probably the biggest one that's coming up is uh, levels of trauma that a person has experienced. And then the sociology, the, the environment you come from and, you know, uh, what supports it doesn't support um, uh, your, your recovery. And then this issue of spirituality. And I talk about the spirituality is, a, is an issue around the whole in the soul um, uh, that uh, you know, the metaphor I use is that everyone's born with just a little hole in the soul. And you um, can fill it with um, uh, God. And if you can't handle God, um, you put another O in it and, um, uh, and just fill it with good. And, um, uh, and you're fine. You can also fill it with drug, sex, and rock and roll. And it, it all works for a while. Bottom line is it wears off and the hole gets a little bit bigger. And uh, over time, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And what most or many, you know, uh, alcoholics actually who come in to treatment, uh, you know, talk about this feeling just totally empty. There's just nothing left. Um, and, and of course, we can pathologize and we say that's that's uh, depression and um, that's anxiety. And, 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 and the symptomatology is there and sometimes it, it needs medication, but oftentimes uh, it is about how to fill that hole back up um, in healthy ways. And um, uh, so... Um, my belief is that, um, and again, I have no proof that this has all been working in the addiction field for 46 years, is that um, uh, uh, about a third of the people come are in the middle of a, what I call an uh, existential angst. Um, uh, they've, they've lost or never, they never had meaning or purpose. And th this was part of my story is that there was, 
I, uh, I got to a certain age, I can remember very young, uh, uh, trying to figure the world out. I've always sort of felt like a stranger in a strange land, you know, that sort of actually got dumped on this planet by accident. I was supposed to be someplace else and somehow I ended up here. And um, so, uh, it, you know, the, this existential angst um, and in terms of my, you know, work with individuals, um, uh, it, it seems one of those things where many, most of the people that I've worked with have been in that sort of existential angst, not been able to find meaning and purpose. Um, and um, in my job helping them uh, develop, uh, uh, figure out what, what spirituality means to them. And we, we you know, basically uh, uh, for some people, um, the, the hardest part is, is uh, differentiating religion from spirituality and understanding that um, it, it's much easier to have a religion. If you have a religion, you know, it's, it's written down for you. They give you the rules, you know, you live that way. And, and for the most part, most of them are not bad. I mean, there, there may be some uh, issues around your personal value system that wouldn't like a specific religion, but for the most part, they're all trying to do the same thing, trying to, you know, uh, be good. And, you know, if, if you do all the right things, you'll go to this wonderful place. Um, and um, uh, those who don't believe in this, that process, you know, of religion, then spirituality then becomes their uh, process. And they have to figure that out, what that is. What does spirituality mean? Um, uh, and um, uh, so, you know, when people say, well, I don't believe in a deity. And I said, not this, deities have not, nothing that much to do with spirituality. Um, it, it is, uh, and to me, it, I, the simplest way I've been able to say it is spirituality is, is your inner journey um, and where it takes you. And, uh, but it has some um, prerequisites. Uh, that means there has to be a commitment to it. Um, it's, it you, can, you can do smorgasbord if you want, but, but I found that for most people, they have to pick something, um, uh, a path, whatever that path is for them. Um, and they have to have a commitment to it. And, um, uh, and, and, the, and the development of faith in the process. Now, faith in what? Um, when I first started out, it was faith in faith. Um, uh, and it was sort of like, you know, you know in very, you know, very, you know, very primal way. What does that mean? Well, I, I know for the most part that, that um, if I come into a room uh, and, I f and I look at the light switch, and I flick it on, pretty much have faith that the light's gonna go on. Um, and um, if it doesn't, I, I usually can figure out um, what to do uh, so it will um, uh, change the light bulb, you know, get an electrician, etc. Now I don't know what electricity is or where it comes from. I, well, that's not true. Um, uh, in, in in the in the spirituality I follow, it comes from the thunder beams, um, and um, uh, they they uh, uh, have that power. And there's a uh, an issue with the thunder beams when and when they come. Um, uh, but uh, if we have time, we can maybe talk about that. So. Um, uh, you know, that's sort of been my journey, uh, and it still is, you know, I, I uh, uh, the broader spiritual art that I, I sort of uh, uh, 
became involved in is uh, Lakota. Um, I, I, uh, uh, I'm a pipe carrier and um, have been a sun dancer in the Lakota tradition and, um, uh, you know, uh, and follow the, um, the basic tenets of, of, uh, of the Lakota way, which are not that different than most spiritual paths in, in, uh, in terms of, of, of those things, you know, going to sweats and being part of the community. And um, I'm an elder now, whatever that means. I, I have a joke about the difference between an, uh, an elder and an old person. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, I'm gonna be 75 at my next birthday. So it's, it's sort of like, uh, am I just an old person? And, um, and in most traditions, uh, when someone gets old, they're, they're considered wise. I, I'm, I'm not too sure I, I have that, but um, uh, I, I do, uh, one, one of my uh, fellow uh, elders said uh, to him, uh, being an elder uh, is, is when you know uh, your limits. Um, and, uh, uh, so, uh, we joke about that, that, you know, if, if nothing else happens when we're at ceremony, we get fed first. Um, and, uh, uh, so, so, you know, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of been my, my journey. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, you know, uh, do, uh, certain ceremonies once a week, you know, um, and, um, I still meditate, um, and um, uh, and you know, in my this time in my life, it's sort of like I'm I'm not really, even though I, I call myself a seeker, uh, I, I'm not necessarily seeking anymore, um, uh, and um, uh, and uh, you know, again, the transition to being uh, old or as an elder um, uh, to you know, what, what does that all mean, you know, uh, uh, and what, what do I still have to contribute uh, as uh, uh, someone, you know, in my age? Um, and, um, in my, you know, in my personal work, um, uh, when I was at, at what a, a treatment program, one that you and I both know, um, uh, uh, there was a transition in the program, and they, they wanted to keep me, but because I'm, I'm not licensed, I'm not an MFT or an LCSW or a PhD, um, they needed to find a place for me. And um, so uh, they made me the director of something. I, I can't remember the word. I, they want to give me, they want to call me the spiritual director. And that just felt too weird. Um, uh, so they gave me a, a, another label, et cetera. But my job basically was to work with people um, uh, about spirituality. Uh, and again, you know, I, I had everything from people coming in saying, um, I remember this one, one person uh, came to me and said, you know, I don't know why I need to see you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. And I said, well, great. You know, that, that, that's good. And, and, I, and I asked, I said, do you have a personal relationship with what you call God? And he stopped and he says, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, you know, especially in your Christian tradition, it is about a personal relationship um, uh, uh, that you, you've developed, and he stopped. And, and he said, well, you know, I go to church, you know, I pray. I, I said, no, no, that's not what I'm asking. Do you have a personal relationship? And for whatever reason, that sort of like blew a big hole in his whole spirit or his whole religious beliefs because he realized he didn't. And, and that was sort of this hole. 
Um, and I said, well, that's your, part of your journey now is to find that personal relationship. Um, other people come in and, um, you know, they're, they're angry, you know, I'm an atheist, leave me alone. And I said, you know, atheists can be spiritual. I mean, Buddhists don't believe in a deity. I mean, that's what most people wrangle about is, you know, this idea that there's a, a, a deity up there someplace uh, uh, and um, uh, that's pulling the strings and, you know, judging you and, you know, all the other stuff. Uh, mainly, in, you know, again, in our society, because of the Judeo-Christian ethic that, that's there, that's, that's woven into not just religion, but in just basically um, how most of us are taught to believe at some level um, and um, uh, in terms of the values, et cetera. So uh, it's working with them uh, around uh, these issues around, uh, uh, you know, what is it uh, that, that you uh, don't believe in? And then I ask them, what do you do believe in? Um, and, um, and then we work from that, um, from, from there. And um, uh, so if, if nothing else, they walk away with a, a perspective that is, uh, uh, they have a different perspective perspective on what spirituality is, uh, and um, if they choose to you know follow that, and many have, um, and uh, um, uh, and one of the ways uh, that I sort of uh, helped them with this um, was uh, I had been uh, uh, looking for sort of a, an assessment uh, around spirituality. Um, but almost all of them had a religious overtone of some kind. And then I ran into something called, uh, 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 one of the consultants that was working at the treatment program uh, told me about this thing called SQ-21. Uh, and, um, and it was a, uh, a, an assessment um, that had no say, religious overtones to it but would assess this idea of, uh, give you an idea of, of what spirituality was and where you are on, lack of a better word, a continuum. Um, and if we have time, I'll give a quick story about how this happened. Uh, the, the woman who started this uh, is a woman named uh, Cindy Wiggles, Wigglesworth. I love the name. And um, uh, she started off, uh, uh, got her uh, BA, I guess, in, in, in uh, in something, and, uh, but anyway, she went to work in HR, uh, uh, human resources at um, uh, Chevron, and um, uh, and she did really well, you know, she thought. And then when she got her evaluations, they were saying something like, um, uh, you, "Your work is uh, impeccable, um, but no one likes you." And and so I said, well, "Well, okay." But then she realized that you know this was a theme. She wasn't going anywhere because. Even though her work was great, um, you know, uh, so she decided to say, okay, maybe I need to fix this. So she went to a therapist who realized she had a zero EQ, um, no emotional intelligence at all. And um, uh, so she went on a quest, you know, she learned, she taught herself how to be, uh, have an emotional IQ. Um, and from that point, she then became uh, uh, a lot more. Her, her evaluations were, gee, you do great work, it's impeccable, and people like you. So, um, uh, uh, so you know, that changed her life in terms of, uh, of this whole thing. And she, you know, really felt it was really pretty good. I don't know exactly why the next step happened, but what happened was, I think she ended up with a union 
psychologist. Um, and if you're going to, you know, be with a union psychologist, at some point they're going to talk about spirituality. Um, and um, uh, and she said, "What's that?" You know, it, it was sort of like it wasn't. She was against it, but her background, her family background, there was no, you know, she was brought up as an atheist didn't even see herself as an atheist. She just was, you know, uh, it was just uh, something she didn't know. And she thought to herself, um, if I was able to teach myself um, how to become a, um, emotionally, have emotional IQ, can I teach myself to uh, do the spiritual thing? Um, and so she used that same model and went out uh, into, uh, uh, her quest was to find what it is to be spiritual. Um, uh, or have it in a spiritual intelligence. Uh, and um, she basically, I think, uh, if I, I know right, um, she basically cashed out, uh, she had now become, I think, a senior vice president at, uh, you know, at, at uh, uh, Chevron, she cashed out and um, devoted her life uh, to finding this idea of what, is, what this is. And she came up um, with this idea of uh, an assessment, just like you can take an assessment uh, uh, in uh, uh, emotional intelligence, she came up with this assessment. Uh, it's very sophisticated, um, and um, uh, there are, uh, I think you have to, uh, I, I got certified in it, um, uh, and um, uh, you uh, uh, take the assessment, uh, they're very quick, we, um, I, what I do is, um, if someone wants to take it, I, I order it for them uh, and then, and then uh, uh, go over it because uh, it can look really, uh, uh, it, uh, if, if, if you don't have someone who really knows what's going on with, the, with it and what the, what the answers really mean um, and suggestions for spiritual growth, then it can um, uh, actually, in my belief, can be harmful because you can you know, it may have ideas that you're not spiritual at all, and you're, you know, you're this or that, et cetera, which is not what the, what's intended and needs interpretation. Anyway, I didn't say that quite, quite uh, eloquently, but that's. Uh, we get it. Yeah, it, it should it should be interpreted by someone who's trained in this instrument, basically. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so that's that's what uh, um, that's what I do, and then. What it does is for areas that you, if you choose to want to uh, uh, increase your, your knowledge or your ability or your skill, uh, it gives it suggestions in terms of e each area to do that. Um, and uh, so it, it just gave people a direction in terms of uh, if they didn't have a religion, they didn't really understand the, the idea of, of spirituality, they didn't want to join a Buddhist group or whatever. Um, uh, this would give them some uh, uh, a little bit of a roadmap to what to do next, and um, uh, so I've, I've given it to dozens of people, uh, both at the treatment program I worked in, and then when I was uh, doing my private practice, um, specifically working with people uh, who were um, uh, uh, high relapsers. They they've not been able to. to uh, it's sort of my specialty working with people rela uh, with relapse, and oftentimes um, it's because of this spiritual void that they they have. They can't seem to uh, uh, find any kind of meaning. So if there's no meaning, why why not just stay loaded, you know? Um, and um, um, uh, so 
the other part, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, the, the broader brush of things. So in the Native American community, you know, uh, uh, we talk about a lot of uh, what's happened to uh, Native Americans and, and pretty much uh, any person of color that lives in, in, in the United States. Um, oh, and other places too. Uh, and, um, but, you know, from the Native American perspective, we have something that we call cultural trauma. Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, part of, of uh, when we're talking about meaning and purpose, you know, we had a, a, a population who lived here. Um, uh, and, you know, and when we talk about Native American, it gets, it, it, it's, a, so it's sort of like saying European, um, you know, uh, they're European. Well, Okay, uh, that that talks about a, a, a sort of a population that lives in a, a in an area of the world called European. But there's a big difference between a, 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 a German and a Frenchman. Um, their language, their you know belief systems, etc. Same thing in Native, with the Native American community, um, uh, in that um, uh, there's a real big difference between uh, how uh, a Lakota. Uh, uh, practices their spirituality versus how the uh, uh, Diné or, or what we call uh, Navajo practice their, in fact, the, the Navajo spirituality is much more like the Tibetan um, uh, Buddhism, Bone Buddhism uh, in, in terms of they use sand paintings, they do, you know, a variety of, uh, of uh, uh, similar kinds of things um, uh, to each other. The point I'm making here is that there's different spirituality uh, in language and, and same thing that we find in any continent with, with a, a different population. But one thing is consistent is that every Native American population in, in the United States, and I could say Canada and uh, Mexico and South America and Central America has experienced the same thing and that's cultural trauma. Uh, that, the, uh, uh, that the European contact that came here tried to uh, uh, demolish uh, the Native American period, either through uh, uh, just genocide um, and, and then cultural genocide. And so most Native Americans or many Native Americans that I've worked with, uh, one of the bigger issues is they don't know who they are. Um, they can say that I'm a Lakota or a Diné, et cetera, but they don't know what that means. They don't know their language. Um, uh, they don't know what it is to be a Lakota man or woman or Diné man or woman. And that puts this big hole inside. And, you know, the suicide rates among Native people are, are twice as high um, as the general population. So what, what that means, um, the medicine man that I, 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 I follow work with, um, his name is Richard Moosecan. He's a traditional uh, uh, Lakota medicine, medicine man. And um, uh, one of uh, his, his life has been devoted to bringing back the ceremonies and the belief systems uh, of the Lakota people. And, uh, or, or, and anyone that wants to uh, be involved. Uh, uh, so uh, he doesn't, you know, if, if you're earnest and you're not native, it, it's, it's not a problem. But anyway, so um, uh, his family, his family lineage, um, uh, if people know about what happened to Native Americans in, I think it was 18, about 1876 or so, Native Americans were no longer allowed to practice their religion. And one of the fundamental rights for uh, people in the United States, they were denied that, that right. So they went underground or, 
many people went underground for 100 years. It wasn't until 1976 where the Native American Religious Freedom Act came into being, where they could openly, you know, uh, do that. Then there was Wounded Knee, and then there was, you know, all the other stuff that, that went along with it. But the point is, is that um, uh, uh, Richard has promoted the native language, um, the values um, of what uh, uh, native people have. And he uh, 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 was one of the people who brought back the Sundance, uh, which is a very specific native uh, ceremony. And uh, with the idea that, you know, many of the people that I uh, uh, danced with or know when I go back to ceremony, that's how they got sober. Uh, was through uh, coming back to the native traditions, going to sweats, um, uh, having, uh, you know, uh, there's a ceremony that I know the Diné people have the ceremony and Lakota people have. When people, when a lot of the people, uh, uh, the warrior tradition, you know, come back from war, they, you know, have healing ceremonies for these guys um, and um, uh, to bring their, their spirit back. Uh, and, um, uh, um, from from trauma that they, they experienced in war. Um, when people uh, pass away, they have something called wiping of the tears, which is another ceremony uh, to help the healing process of, of grief. Uh, and um, so there there are many people um, who are getting clean and sober um, uh, through their you know through, uh, coming back to their their traditions or adopting those traditions for themselves in, the, in their spiritual quest. Um, uh, one last story and then we can decide where, where we wanna go from there. Um, I was doing a training on uh, uh, how to work uh, with native people. Uh, I do a lot, I used to do a lot of training for uh, an organization called California Rural Indian Health Board and another one called American Indian Training Institute. And so I was up in Ready. Um, at, uh, at the, one of the casinos, uh, one of the tribes there who own one of the casinos. And we we're actually in the casino in one of the, the rooms. And, and I had, uh, I don't know, half a dozen counselors who uh, worked with Native people. And um, uh, I won't go into that whole story, but it was, uh, uh, people had a lot of issues around uh, accepting the cultural trauma that has happened to Native people. You know, well, they got a casino. Um, and uh, um, and I won't get, uh, and I won't get into that one either because that's another story. Anyway, so I was sitting there and and a woman came in um, uh, who worked there and she was, uh, said, you know, can I can I can I listen in? And I said, sure, yeah, come on in. So she's sitting there and um, uh, there was a, a, a little bit of a heated discussion between me and this one individual who had, who had an issue around some things I was saying. And she said, can I say something? And I said, um, sure, you know. She says, you know, um, uh, I'm, I'm in recovery. And, um, uh, and so let me tell you quickly about my journey. Um, uh, I was sent to Friendship House. So Friendship House is a Native American treatment program in San Francisco. Um, it's been there for, for a long time. Um, and um, who, you know, sp specifically works with Native Americans and, and the, you know, the the studies show in terms of treatment that the more, the more culturally relative a treatment program is, the higher levels of success. So whether it's Native American or uh, Latino or African-American, you know, it doesn't make a difference. If, if, there's a, if it's more culturally relevant to them, then you know, there, there's a better outcome. 
So she said, I went to that program and she said for the first time, uh, she says, I, I'm, I'm a, a Pitt River Indian and uh, some other tribe, I can't remember, California native. Um, and um, uh, so uh, I came back, you know, I, and the treatment experience was, was wonderful. I, I, you know, I got to do sweats and, and I, uh, I sort of became proud of being a native woman and kind of stuff. But I relapsed and I went back to Friendship House. And um, she says, I have an aunt um, who is a traditional Pitt River woman um, that I really didn't have a, a lot of, of uh, uh, contact with. And she was, I think, her, her mother's sister or something like that. And, and, and um, uh, so when I came back and sort of like, like, oh, you know, how am I going to do this kind of thing? She contacted me and she said, um, some of the effect, do you want to know what it, what it is to be a Pitt River woman? And she said, well, what does that mean? She says, well, if, if you're interested, um, I will help you become a Pitt River woman. And she says, that's when my recovery started. Because I had no idea what that meant. I wasn't too sure, she said, what a woman was. Um, uh, and um, so um, I now follow the traditions of, of the Pitt River people uh, and their beliefs, et cetera. And that's when my recovery uh, got solidified. I became, I, I, I now who, know who I am um, and I have a path to follow that supports my recovery. Um, uh, and she doesn't go to AA or NA or any of those things. This is her, her way. Um, and so this is, you know, there's a, a organization called White Bison. I just, I just saw that, that Don Coyas, uh, who started it, um, uh, 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 just had a birthday. And uh, he's got long-term re recovery. He's actually, uh, I guess I could break his anonymity. I don't know. Anyway, he's got long-term recovery. Um, and, uh, but he also started uh, an organization. Now, I'm going to tell a story here, uh, uh, but uh, keep it as uh, third hand, okay? So this is what I understand how White Bison got started. So Don Coyas uh, is a Mohawk Indian, uh, and, but he, uh, and they're from you know, New York area, but he ended up in uh, uh, New York City and he uh, worked on Madison Avenue. He worked in advertising, et cetera. You know, uh, three-piece suit, you know, et cetera, short hair. Uh, and um, uh, he got into recovery and et cetera. And then, um, but he'd always stayed a bit, a little bit close to his Mohawk um, uh, belief system, right? So the story is, uh, as I've heard um, uh, is that the elders called him uh, and said, um, we had a vision. You need to quit your job and start um, something that's going to uh, uh, help the people who um, uh, uh, have uh, addiction and trauma. So he said, I, I guess I better do this. And that's how this started, called The Red Road. Um, so Tom, uh, uh, Don uh, wrote the book um, uh, and started a publishing company and then ended up being training um, and um, uh, uh, and started a whole movement called uh, the Red Road, uh, which took things like the 12 steps and put it in the medicine wheel um, uh, and, and do just a, a, a variety of things that, that, um, uh, 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 that, in, in, that I've used uh, with non-native people to explain addiction at a different level. 
um, uh, uh, that um, uh, why why their recovery sometimes is not working for them. And so, um, but yeah, um, it's called Wellbriety is a, is the name of the uh, the book. Uh, and there's a, uh, other books uh, too. So, um, um, so other thing you want to ask uh, about? You know, I've just sort of been babbling on here for the last half hour or whatever. No, no, no. It's been wonderful. You've actually been answering so many of the questions that I have, and I love all the resources you're giving us. We'll be sure to add those in the show notes so people can find um, all these wonderful resources you're telling us about. I guess, you know, when I'm working with people, you know, in, in addiction and in, in rehab and stuff, it is really spirituality. It's like this vague kind of question mark. What is it? Is it and, and so many people do see it as this external, like I'm, I'm supposed to be connected, like you said, to an external deity of some sort, but really it has to start from within, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and, and the, like the soul retrieval kind of process always strikes me. It's like um, reconnecting with our own soul, which we get very disconnected from, particularly with trauma. Mm -hmm. And I guess yeah. I'm wondering, you know, can you say more about these practices that you're doing um, and inviting people to that allow them to reconnect with themselves and to, um, yeah, reclaim those parts and pieces of themselves that they may have lost contact with through abuse, trauma, life in general here, stranger in a strange land, all those things. Well, there's a couple of things that, that I do. So uh, one of the things, um, uh, like, for instance, you know, uh, like anything in, 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 um, uh, in our world, we, we have to have someone who gives us permission to do things. So for instance, you got a PhD. There were people that gave you permission to do that. If you showed them that you uh, uh, were able to, quote, unquote, have a PhD, then you pass whatever test you are. So for instance, um, uh, um, I'm not allowed to do sweats. I've not been, uh, uh, not that I'm not allowed. Um, uh, I can't uh, perform sweats. Um, I've not been given permission to, mainly because I can never, I can never learn the songs and sing them on my own. I always have to have someone else sing them with me. Um, uh, and, but the, the Vanessa man did say, he says, you know, you can take some of what you have learned uh, and work and work with he would uh, 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 what do you call it with judges with, uh, uh, anyway with white folk um, uh, if you think it would help him so uh, I've been allowed to, to do pipe ceremonies with with uh, um, uh, with clients so um, um, and and um, I've been allowed to build my own altar. Um, uh, and, uh, and perform uh, this pipe ceremony. And how I perf perform a pipe ceremony is that um, uh, to, uh, so the concept of, of, of the quote unquote, the peace pipe. Um, the idea of this idea of, of uh, you know, filling the pipe and, you, and there's nothing that goes in the pipe that's gonna get you high. Um, uh, in fact, it would be, it would be sort of a, a, a not a sin, but but it would be an error uh, to do so. Um, so the only thing that goes in there is uh, basically red willow bark and tobacco. Uh, and he, before tobacco came to, uh, or that day people used it um, in the Midwest, um, 
the um, uh, it was basically uh, uh, a mixture of other things that had, didn't even have tobacco in it. Anyway, um, uh, the idea that that uh, uh, the uh, tobacco when you're putting the tobacco in the pipe, there's prayers that go to it. Or if people have a problem with that word, I say, whatever your intentions are. So I have them make an intention for their recovery. Um, uh, and, um, uh, uh, and, and I said, bef before we do this, you know, if we do this ceremony, you have to be really clear about what you're gonna do with this intention. It means it has to be follow through. You have to be willing to do the things that we've talked about and the intention. So we put the, you know, tobacco in there in, in, in the intention. Um, uh, I often have them do something called prayer ties, which are little bundles of, of, uh, of uh, 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 a little piece of cloth, you know, uh, an inch, uh, two inch by two inch kind of thing. You put a little tobacco in there, again, with the same thing, the, the, uh, with an intention or prayer, and do seven of them. Um, and, um, and then we do the ceremony. And um, uh, so it sets uh, what's going to follow. Um, and um, they don't have to tell me what the intention is uh, if they don't want to. Uh, and um, uh, I've also done that as a, uh, as a rites of passage. Um, uh, so, so many of us, I was one of them, that uh, I, I talk about the 515 rule. The, and the point is, quickly, is that when someone crosses over from, uh, uh, from a non-alcoholic to an alcoholic or an addict, um, your developmental process stops. Uh, and so uh, early onset alcoholics, addicts, uh, uh, you know, for instance, uh, I was alcoholic by the time I was 15 years old. So developmentally, when I got sober, I was 15 years old. Um, and, um, and I was still in the midst of, of projected Adolescent projected raising, um, black and white thinking, um, the the world is, won't let me be, etc. Blaming the world for you know all my circumstances, etc. So um, and we have very little rites of passage, and I, I I could spend another two hours talking about that one. Uh, we have very little rites of passage uh, uh, for men, you know. I joke about it. It's not funny actually that you know the the average teenager thinks he's a man. The first time he has sex other than with himself, um, the first time he gets his driver's license, and the first time he gets loaded. Now I'm a man, and we're wondering why men can't show up. Um, and uh, so I do a rites of passage with this, and I say, if we smoke this pipe, then you have to be willing to uh, take on the responsibilities of what a man is. And they'll look at me. And I says, okay, I will. I will give you what those are, um, uh, and what your responsibilities are, and. and um, uh, and so I, I, I make it a ceremony for them to move to uh, from from adolescence to manhood, um, uh, and they have to be willing to take on. on it. So in in a counseling situation, or when I meet with people, I don't usually like call it counseling, but in a, when we meet um, uh, and I see adolescent, you know, thinking comes out. I say, ah, 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 can't do it. You're a man now. So what does a man do uh, in terms of the situation? Um, and we also talk about what a warrior is uh, when I'm working with native people, you know, a warrior is not someone who goes out and beats someone up, um, or is strong, etc. Uh, what a warrior is, he serves and protects his family and his tribe.
That's what a, what a warrior is. He's willing to give his life for them. Um, uh, same thing with machismo. It's not, not that I'm the man. It, it's really uh, taken from the, the, the warrior tradition is that your job is to serve and protect your family and your tribe or your community, whatever that is. So I use those, the, these, uh, uh, the pipe in, in terms of that, that process um, to help them um, either set their intention about what the recovery is all about and then we move forward from there um, and, um, uh, or, uh, or and um, uh, have them become uh, uh, an adult. Yeah, I think we've really moved away from in in American Western cultures in particular, we've moved away from these traditional rituals, like you said, rites of passage, rituals of various sorts. And I've often thought that um, this what's cropped up around drugs and alcohol is this like pseudo pseudo ritual, right? Mm -hmm. Like literally the preparing of a different kind of pipe or you know to to prepare something to inject you go through this whole little ritual around it mm -hmm. and i wonder how much of that is sort of unconsciously an attempt to um because i do think a lot of people through drugs and alcohol are seeking they are looking for some sort of meaning and purpose and saying well if i can't find it here maybe i'm going to find it in some other dimension reality whatever mm -hmm. Um, well, oh, go ahead. No, no, and then, but, and it gets a little confusing, I think, with now we have the whole psychedelic, you know, resurgence, and we know that even in some of the traditional cultures, there's been the peyote, the ayahuasca, you know, people, um, the the medicine man or the shaman has used and those um, substances to get information and connection with other elders, spirits, you know, whatever. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's 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 been sort of confusing for people. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks for reminding me of this. You know, um, I also um, have uh, uh, had the honor of participating in um, the Native American Church, um, and which is basically the use of peyote to um, to uh, hook up with uh, what they would call God, and. Um, uh, and I know lots of uh, individuals, again, who have found recovery um, uh, um, through, through that process. I, I, I remember this one, young, not young man, man, a really interesting guy. He says, everyone in my family were alcoholics. They, uh, they have all died from alcoholism. He says, when I was um, 15 years old, I was a full-blown alcoholic living in the streets. Um, had, basically, family was disconnected, et cetera. Um, and um, I'm not sure how he got connected with the Native American Church, but he did. And, um, uh, and, and his experience through that was, you know, his connection with a power grade himself, um, but also that they, uh, what they call the roadman, the guy uh, who uh, 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 runs the ceremony, Native American ceremony, which is very complex. Um, uh, and, uh, and different from other native traditions. And um, uh, in this one guy that I know, he's, he's about, you know, he's a couple of years older than me. Um, and, um, but uh, then mentored this young man. Uh, he says, uh, after a while, he's, uh, the, 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 this guy said, he says, okay, now it's time to go back to school. So I will go back to, you go back to school. You're going back to school. 
Um, and so he, he mentored him getting back to school, you know, uh, how to become a man. And, you know, and uh, 30 years later, you know, uh, uh, here he is, you know, he has married, his children, he has a job, he has, you know, um, all the normal things and still participates in, in, uh, in the Native American church. And I've known lots of people who've found their recovery specifically through there, or in addition to, in other words, they may start off with 12 steps or something like that and, and, um, uh, and found the uh, Native American church. My concern about this is um, like anything else, um, it took me a long time to find a real medicine man. Um, uh, I, I, you know, my own arrogance is always sort of like, hey, I can do that crap. Um, uh, so to find someone who's really authentic, because there's a lot of guys, you know, because they can speak the language, sing a couple of songs, you know, they, they you know, sort of purport themselves to be that, that and, and can do some damage or have done some damage. Um, or like, what was it, 10 years ago, the guy that, that um, uh, built, you know, was charging people a couple of thousand dollars to come to their week, his weekend and they'd have this sweat. And he built this huge sweat, but he did it with PC, PC, PVC pipe um, and, um, the, and built this, you know, fire in there. Um, uh, and the heat got to it and people died from the fumes from the PVC pipe because he didn't know what he was doing. Um, and um, so that, you know, so it took me a long time to find the real thing. And we're seeing this, you know, with the, the uh, emergence of using psychedelics. And I'm, I believe there's some value in this, um, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it needs to be, uh, you know, done. I know there are people who are um, <clears throat> therapists who, you know, underground now, you know, uh, uh, who are, it will take someone and, and take them for a weekend and, and um, help them through whether it's using ayahuasca or psilocybin or um, uh, peyote um, and um, uh, to help them move through some trauma or move through whatever uh, through that experience. My concern is that uh, it, uh, it needs to have someone who knows, really knows what they're doing. Uh, and um, uh, you know, there's, there's a difference between going out and doing a lot of shrooms, just see like, oh, cool. As opposed right. to use it as a as a spiritual process, I think it's important to to know that you have someone that knows what they're doing and can help, lack of a better word, interpret what's going on for you. Yes, it's all about the set and setting, as they say, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, ben, this has been such a rich conversation. I could go on for another hour with yeah, you. Yeah, um, yeah. There's such a wealth of wisdom, and I think you've just highlighted so many key things. I mean, I think just giving a great explanation of spirituality, it's important um, for addiction recovery, trauma work, um, the community piece, connection, right? I always think of spirituality as connection with mm -hmm. self, with others, with something greater. Um, and you've really, I think, illustrated that so well, the importance of finding a place and people that you can feel connected with. Because I think one of the big issues with people with addictions is they're so cut off and they feel so alone right mm -hmm. and and i think that contributes to the suicidality the depression the soul loss all of it um so really you've shown us that there are ways many many ways to connect reconnect with self reclaim soul um and explore like you said it's a journey of exploration explore mm -hmm 
in this context of ritual and practices and and a lot of it i know has to do with the earth as well right like really um vision quests and and being out in nature and things like that the many of the practices are done outside and and the role of earth and our our stewardship of it i know that's a big piece as well um there's just so much more for people to explore if people want to find out more and we'll definitely put links in like i said the show notes if people want to find out more about you or would like to work with you how can they do that uh, simple um you know uh, you can uh, uh, you know put my uh, email address you know i i uh, over the years i uh, sort of took down uh, all my you know, websites, et cetera, that I, that I had years ago. So, it, you know, it's a simple, you know, send me an uh, email at owlspeak.com uh, um, or at hotmail.com. Um, and um, uh, I'm on Facebook, um, it, you know, so uh, uh, you can probably get a hold of me there. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, um, uh, that would be the easiest way to do it. Thank you so much. And thanks again for sharing your wisdom and experience and your strength and hope and your humility. You know, it's always wonderful to hear you speak and hear about your journey and what a journey it has been. So thank you so much. Super grateful. And thank you all for tuning in. If you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please do share, comment, like, Let's get this out there in the hands of more people so that they can know that there are many, many, many ways to view and approach and treat mental illness, addiction. Um, it's, there's so much more to it than what the traditional paradigm has shown us. So thanks everybody for tuning in. All right, thank you, my honor. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.